Well, hey, church, and welcome to week three of our Abide campaign. Now, if you are a regular LCFA, you will know that this past month we have restructured, reshaped and reformed our whole prayer ministry around this one word, Abide. And for the next few weeks in this campaign, I want to talk to you around the subject of prayer. So to begin today, I want to ask you to consider and reflect by yourselves for just a moment, wherever you're watching from, whether live or on playback, to think of a time in your life where there has just been massive hype around something. Now, that might be a movie, it might be a restaurant, it might be a place or a band. For me, moving to Luton this time last year, the first thing I heard about all the hype was around a chicken shop called Chicken George. It took me two months to get to Chicken George on my birthday but my goodness me does chicken george live up to the hype yes it does if i could give 10 stars out of five i would and i have been a regular at chicken george ever since but i wonder if there's times in your life where there's been so much hype around something a movie a band a restaurant a thing and you have just waited in eager expectation to get to that thing to experience that thing and when you did it just didn't live up to the hype I wonder if that has happened to you because it has certainly happened to me. And as I think about prayer, I think prayer so often falls into this camp of not living up to the hype because we hear messages, don't we, from our platforms on YouTube at conferences about these amazing men and women of God who have just scaled the heights of prayer and seem to have these phenomenal experiences and we get encouraged and we get inspired and we get on fire and we rush home and run up the stairs, open our bedroom door, slam it shut, get on our knees, begin to pray with eager expectation and then nothing. We pray for five minutes, for 10, for 15, for 20, and all it feels like is happening is our words are hitting the ceiling. And we get frustrated and we think of these amazing men and women of God who promised us that prayer was going to be so much more than we ever thought it was. But actually, it seems like a long, dreary, grey tunnel. You see, I've heard this so many times and I've experienced it myself, where prayer, it just doesn't live up to the hype. And growing up in church as a church kid, my dad was an elder, my mum on staff, my granddad an AOG minister. Prayer was always presented as this phenomenal thing. But when I ever tried to do it myself, it just never came through. It never licked up to the height. It never met the expectation it was given from a platform. Until age 18, I was at a similar conference with a man talking about his prayer ministry, phenomenal stories, miraculous happenstances. I rushed back to my home church in South Birmingham. We set up a prayer room. I began to pray and goodness me, that dreary tunnel I had been trudging in my youth, trying to get something out of prayer was blown apart in what I would only describe as a kaleidoscope of colour. I had a moment of magnificent encounter with God. And it was actually in that little back room, a converted office, which used to be an old people's home. We'd set up this prayer room and God had just given me this mandate and this calling that actually I'm walking in today. It was in a prayer room, praying to God, seeking after his face that I felt a call to ministry and so often I had heard that prayer was this amazing thing and I'd never seen it and in that minute and in that instance I knew that prayer was all it was hyped up to be 
And am I saying that every prayer experience since I was 18 and that moment has been like that? Absolutely not. But every now and again, I get a glimpse behind the curtain in a moment of prayer and I am just reignited in a passion to commune with God. And I wonder if you feel confident and you are watching live and you're on the comment section on Facebook Live or Church Online or YouTube, why don't you share some of your experiences with prayer? Have you had a defining moment where for so long you were praying for something and there was breakthrough? If you feel confident, share that in the comments because it is inspiring to hear what God does to other people. And these next few weeks, I hope again to inspire maybe some of you who have not had this experience with prayer or have not had it for a long time time. I remember being at another conference and hearing the speaker say that prayer is a great tool in the walk of faith. And that is absolutely true, but I also think it does a great disservice to what prayer is. Of course, prayer is about communion and communication with God. It's about encounter with God, but it's not just a tool. I believe prayer is far better described as a toolbox and not a tool. You see, when it's described as a tool, it sounds very linear and very one way. Prayer is so much more than that. And what I've done today, I have brought down out of the deacon's cupboard, Derek's toolbox, okay? to try and help us illustrate the magnitude of what prayer is. Because as you open this toolbox, you will see straight away there's all different types of tools, different colours, different shapes, different sizes. We have a saw, a wood saw. We have a metal saw. Now, I am not handy at all. These are very dangerous in my hands. We have a chisel. I know what a chisel is, but I have no idea what it does. We have a hammer. We have this thing, I don't know what this thing is called, but we have all these different things in a toolbox. And I want to say that prayer is just like a toolbox because there's so many different shapes and sizes of prayer for doing different things really, really well. If you have a screw that needs going into a wall, the last thing you are going to use for the screw going into a wall is a wrench or a chisel. You need a screwdriver for it. And just like that, a particular tool for a particular job with prayer there is so many different avenues and so many different facets the problem we have I think in the church is we have only ever seen prayer done one or two different ways I can guarantee now that if we were all in this building and I said from the platform church we're going to take a moment to pray 95% of the room will do this they will close their eyes they will bow their head and they will in some way fold their hands, whether you do it the adult way or you did it where you were taught in school where you put your hands together to stop you fidgeting. Why do we do this? Because this is how we have always been taught to pray. And what I hope to do over the next few weeks is help to break the stereotype of what prayer is. As I said, it's not one way linear. It's not one tool. It's so much more than that. Yes, you can pray with closing your eyes and bowing your head, but there is so much more under the surface. So what I'm going to do over these next few weeks, I'm going to take this toolbox, I'm going to pull out some tools, and hopefully I'm going to be able to illustrate some different ways that you can pray. Now again, if we're all sat in this room and you look around the room, there are different shapes and sizes of people, different backgrounds, different races, different, different jobs. There's all sorts of differences on our exterior. But also there's huge differences in our interior. We all have a unique personality. We all have a unique way of doing things and seeing things. We all have a unique perspective. And so often when we pray, certain ways of praying will fit an, uh, an extra 
extrovert better than they'll fit an introvert. They'll fit a loud person better than they'll fit a quiet person. But because we've only ever seen one or two different ways to pray, we think, well, actually, prayer isn't really for me because it doesn't sit comfortably in my skin, in who I am and what I do. So I'm going to take a few weeks to talk some different ways of praying. And today I'm just going to take one prayer, one way of praying that I am actually experimenting in my own life now. You may think that I am probably an extrovert because I've do this for a living. I stand up and talk to people, but actually I'm a massive, massive introvert. I'm far more of a reflective person and a quiet person. And this prayer is built for the introvert, but please don't turn off extroverts because there's a lot for you in it as well. I want to talk to you about a prayer called the prayer of examine, E-X-A-M-E-N. It's an unfamiliar word that you may see in familiar settings. You think, of course, of examination. Well, the word examination comes from this word examine, which is a Latin word which literally means to measure. So when I talk about the prayer of examine, I am taking out of my toolbox a tape measure. What a tape measure does, it gives us accurate measurements to do things well. If you are putting a staircase in a cavity, you better make sure you measure the staircase going into the cavity fits because the job won't be done unless it fits. And as you look at the tape measure, I don't know if you can see it on the screen there, there's two different lines of measurements. On one side, you've got the centimeters and millimeters. And on the other side, you have the feet and the inches. And just like the tape measure having these two sides, the prayer of examine has two sides to it as well. So I'm going to spend the remainder of my time today unpacking this prayer of examine. And if you have a notepad or an iPad or a notebook handy, please do take notes because I, I really hope I can teach you some things that you can employ this week practically in your Monday through Saturday. Everything we do here on Sunday isn't to fill 20 minutes or half an hour. It's to do in a hope that we would take the things we learn put it into practice in our week and therefore become closer to God. So I want to explain the prayer of examine like this. As I said, it's got two facets, two sides. It has the side of conscience, which you may want to say your centimetres and millimetres, and it has your side of consciousness, which may be like your feet and inches. And in his essence, praying the prayer of examine is like praying a prayer that plays the detective in these two spheres. By that, I mean it looks in detail at our conscience and our consciousness. And in that, it looks for the fingerprints of God throughout our day. The prayer of examine is best employed and best practiced at the end of our days. You know, of course, we talk a lot about prayer and getting up early and praying in the morning. The prayer of examine fits much better at the end of a day, looking back retrospectively. So let's take these two sides. As I said, two arms, conscience and consciousness, or you may want to see them as centimetres and inches. Firstly, let's look at the prayer of examine through the arm of the conscience. And I want to say it like this. Praying the prayer of examine, looking at the conscience, is like scouring the introspective soulscape. By that, I mean it is a really detailed look 
inwards. It's going down into the, the cavities and the, 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 the spaces of our soul and emotions throughout our day. So at the end of the day, it takes us to stop, to look, and to go back in detail over our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and the things that were evoked in our day. And of course, if we turn to Scripture, there's two verses, I think, that speak really significantly into the prayer of examine as it pertains to conscience. And that is in Psalm 139, verses 22 to 23. Listen to this. This is David the psalmist praying to God. He says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What David is asking God here is to do a joint search within his soul, within his conscience, within his emotions and asking four things of God. Search me, God, and know me, know my heart. That's the seat of his emotions. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What are the things that are worrying me, God? What are the things that you need to speak into to give me peace? And then, God, see if there's any offensive way in me. Look at my motives, God. Look at my reactions, God. What am I doing here that is displeasing to you? And then, God, lead me out of that into the way everlasting. Now, what's really, really important as we look inwards at ourselves in detail at our lives and at our days, day by day, it must be a joint search with God. It's not something we should do alone. By that, I mean when we take stock at the end of our day and we're praying to God and we're, we're employing the prayer of examine in our conscience, we need to invite God just like David did. God, search me. God, test me. God, know my anxious thoughts. God, lead me. You see, when we do an inward search alone, we fall into two traps. The first one is this. When we start to feel God poking and prodding at something that is offensive to him, we will begin to justify rather than rectify if we are doing that search alone. Now, let's get honest for a minute. There's times in my life where I have done something wrong or done something to upset Becky or not kept my word, and my response to Becky has been like this, I'm sorry, but... Now, that is the most annoying thing for Becky to hear. I'm sorry, but... Because sorry is meaningless when it is followed by a but. Because the but then is attempting to justify why you didn't do something or why you did do something wrong. When we search our our soulscape without God, what we will do is we'll seek to justify everything. We'll say, well, you know what, God, don't worry about that. I reacted that way because this person said that. And don't worry... God without my motive there. I did that because of this. God isn't looking for us to justify the things we do wrong or the things we might say that were wrong. What God is always doing is to rectify us against the measurement of the perfect person who of course is Jesus. Let's look at some mistakes that we fall into in scripture when we seek to do that search alone. Look at these in Judges 17 verse 6. In those days Israel had no king, had no authority. The people 
people did what was right in their own eyes. And what happened? Everything went wrong. So often when we do things that are right in our own eyes, it's for selfish ambition and it never turns out right. Again, Proverbs 21.2. A person may think that their own ways are right, but the Lord judges their heart. The implication is when you are doing things for your own sake, often it's, again, of selfish ambition. Proverbs 16.25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. While God isn't mincing his words here. You see, when we do things ourselves and we're doing it with our own, our own thoughts and feelings at the fore, it always comes to a place of selfish ambition. We start to get arrogant while we're doing this because it's about me. And actually, our culture and our society props that up. It tells us to make yourself look good. It tells you to be the best. It tells you to tread on other people. But that is the absolute opposite of the teaching of Jesus. Think of Romans 12, 3. Paul talking to the church in Rome. He implores them, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Look at yourself. I think the word he uses is with sober judgment. How do you look at yourself with sober judgment? It's when you employ a king in the search. So when we look at ourselves, let's make sure that God is looking with us and we don't get derailed or or taken out with ambition or with arrogance. Now, the other way and the other trap we can fall into, rather than trying to to justify things out of arrogance, is we can get absolutely guilt-ridden. When we've had a really bad day, we've woke up and everything has just gone wrong and we've snapped and we've argued and we've chewed people out and it wasn't their fault, it was something happening within us. We can just feel so dreary and so so horrible about that. And as we do this prayer of examine on our conscience and we do it by ourselves, all it turns into is a woe is me exercise. You see, a search alone that finds constant faultiness will only lead us into guilt shame and hopelessness. When we see how pathetic we've been, how horrible we've been, how useless we've been, all we'll do is we'll never walk forward. David, of course, saying, Lord, lead me into life everlasting. We're not walking forward. We're just walking in circles in our own little pity party. You see, when we do that search with God, though, God points us to the truth. Of course, the truth is scripture. Look at this, what God says over his people. Psalm 103, verse 12. I love this verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins or our wrongdoings from us. And sometimes when I've had a particularly bad day, I even add my own name into that. As far as as the east is from the west, Michael Nichols, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Wow. Romans 8.1, a life verse for me. Something when I'm just feeling rubbish, I just pray this over my own life. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done in your past 10 years ago. 10 months ago, 10 minutes ago, Jesus said you are justified. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And a favourite verse of mine, again, Romans 8.38. I am convinced, listen to that language, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And goodness me, is that a prayer to pray when you've had a bad day? 
because it puts your little itty bitty moods and your little itty bitty snappy moments in perspective when not even the power of hell can separate you from God's love for you. You can see there, can't you, why it's so important that this search you do on your conscience with a magnifying glass is done with God so you don't fall into justifying your actions or your wrongdoings and again you don't fall into crippling guilt and shame and hopelessness. So in essence the prayer of examining when we look at our conscience is all about looking at our motive why we do things and our reactions, how we respond to things. We ask ourselves, have we done this out of a motive of love? Have we done this out of a motive of Jesus's plan for us? And it looks at our reactions. Why did I snap so bad at that thing? Let's look a little bit deeper. What is it, God? Search me, test me, point out anything offensive in me and lead me, God, in the ways of the everlasting. So that's the centimetre side of the tape measure. We're measuring our conscience as it comes to the plans pertaining to the things of God. The second arm, the inches, is the consciousness. Now, where the conscience searches the introspective soulscape inwards, the consciousness scours the extrospective landscape. So it looks outward and it looks around us. It looks at the things in our day. Uh, we've done this, we've done the inward things, we looked at our motives, we looked at our reactions, we looked at why we've done things, but now let's take a look around us. Now, as a culture, we are a culture addicted to destination. We want to get places quickly. The more we can fit in our day, the more productive we're told we are. If we can get 10 things done, it has been a good day. If we can get one thing done, it's been a bad day. If you're like me, you look at your calendar and it's one thing after another. It's a Zoom call, it's a phone call, it's a, it's a deadline to me, it's a sermon to write, it's a this, it's a that, it's a getting the kids to school, it's the vacuuming, it's a dishwasher, bang, 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 bang. And our days are literally dictated by destination. Now this is a very cultural way of thinking today, especially in the, the West. We measure our productivity by how much we can check off our calendar. Where actually the, the prayer of examining for our consciousness isn't about destination rather than the journey. You see, so often our journeys to our day, getting from one thing to the next, they're just a means to an end. But when it comes to the prayer of consciousness and the examine, the journey is an end in itself. You think of the, the road to Emmaus, Jesus in his resurrected form, walking with those people on the road to Emmaus. And he's expounding all these amazing things to them. It says their hearts lit up within them. It was on the journey that God was revealing himself to us. We're a culture, as I said, addicted to destinations, and we miss so much on the journey. The prayer of consciousness tells us to slow down and take stock of our surroundings. Look, as I said, like a detective for the fingerprints of God all around our day. And we should definitely do this as we walk into our day. But even more, if we can take just five minutes to begin with at the end of our day and look back at our day, I am absolutely convinced you will see things looking back retrospectively you didn't see in the present. So we are scouring the retrospective landscape. You see, it is often easier to see God in our past than it is in our present. I heard this line from one of my favourite preachers a couple of weeks ago, John Mark Comer. 
And he was talking about the prayer of examining it. And he said this line. He said, it is often easier to see God in our past than it is in our present. And as I've started to employ this in my own life, I have seen this to be so true. And what I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about looking back at 10 o'clock and, and going through you know, my, my breakfast routine, uh, having my breakfast and walking out into the office at 10 o'clock and, and actually seeing an angel in the corner that I'd missed in the moment and looking back, I'd seen it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about little minute things where God could be speaking to me. For example, do you know when you get really mad because you were trying to go through a traffic light at 32 miles per hour but it's just turning to red and you have to slam your brakes on just as you get into the traffic light and you get really irritated but maybe when that traffic light turns to green you literally see just in front of you an accident happen and you think goodness me if I had gone through that traffic light the speed I was going through I could have hit that car that is looking back in detail and saying maybe God you were in that Maybe it's walking past a house, uh, walking down the street, and you just hear, hear a child crying and a mother comforting the child. And, and as you look back through your day, you completely missed it in the moment, but you get a sense of God saying, this is what I feel like towards you. I want to comfort you. I want to love you. You see, when we can look back like a detective through our day and our surroundings, I believe God will make known to us so many different things that we completely missed in the present. And as we see God more and more in our past, I believe it gives us the awareness and the attentiveness to see God more and more in our present. And of course, preaching, I mean, this is what I sort of have to do as a living as well. But the more I think about it, just typical things that happen in my life, like you heard about my boiler a few weeks ago, the hidden things are the most important things. I start to see God working, even in the really annoying things. When we can learn from the good things as well as the bad things, and we ask God to speak into that, we learn twice as much. As I said, the prayer of examining to me, I am practicing in my own life at the minute. I'm looking at my conscience in detail, almost like a surgeon going in with God and asking God is there anything that needs to change anything you need to prod and poke and realign but also looking at my consciousness around me and asking God at the end of my day God where are you speaking to me so where the prayer of conscience is about the motive and your reaction about how you act the prayer of consciousness focuses on God's presence and his intervention in your day you're looking for where God was moving. You might have missed it in the moment, but you see it back in reflection. So the big question is, well, why pray the prayer of examining? It sounds really good, but what's the end goal? What's the point of it? Is it just taking five or 10 or 15 minutes out at the end of your day to be a bit more reflective? Well, yes, it is. But the end is that we can realign ourselves to, to the goodness and purposes of God in our life. Think of Romans 12, 1 to 2. We talked about Romans 12, 3, but Romans 12, 1 to 2. This is why we do the prayer of examine. We do it to offer ourselves, Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice. God, point out in me how I can be more sacrificial in my day to be more like you. And then verse 2, transform me, God. Transform me by the renewing of my mind. It's a gradual step-by-step -step process. That's why we do it, because as Jesus followers, as disciples of the King, we want to be conformed more and more in the likeness of Jesus. And the prayer of examining, looking at our conscience and our consciousness, I believe really helps us take a good step in that direction. So after why, we ask, well, how? Well, I want to tell you to remember Psalm 46.10. It says this, be still and know that I am God. 
as I said, we're a culture addicted to destination. And because we're addicted to destination, that means we are always going 100 miles per hour to make that appointment and this appointment and the next appointment and the next thing. Well, actually, what the psalmist is telling us in Psalm 46.10 is to stop, to be still, to put a comma in our day and breathe and stop and reflect and move at the pace of grace, move in, in the, the footsteps of God. And we so often get this, this phrase, be still, and we think that being still means sitting down like this and not doing much. And that's, I think, again, like prayer. We bow our head, we close our eyes, we fold our hands. This is what it means to pray. Well, this is what it means to be still, to sit down still and not move. Well, that's not the heart of what the psalmist is saying. If you look at the root word of still there, it's again about an introspective stillness. It's not about a physical stillness. Now, of course, a physical stillness may help some of you who just like the silence and who like stopping. But I am really rubbish at sitting still. I fidget when I'm sitting still. Actually, I have found my prayer of examining best works when I go out of an evening for a run. I go out probably eight o'clock, nine o'clock for an hour, and I just jog. And in that headspace there, I just feel like the stresses of the day receded, and I start to feel the presence of God in my life as I walk through my day. It might be for you that you're a journal writer, you love to journal or colour or do art. Well, actually, the prayer of examine might best be employed for you through journaling or art or poetry. So stillness isn't about just sitting still, it's about a stillness of heart. Find that thing that you do that just settles yourself, gives you a peace that allows God to speak and for God to to be heard. Of course, God is always speaking. The problem is we're not always listening. So what is the posture that you can take where you listen best and lastly on the how if you've got on the, the how when you've got the stillness whether that's running or drawing or art these are four steps that I have been employing in my life that are just working for me on how to employ the prayer of examine both of conscience and consciousness firstly I remember my day I think back right from waking up making my breakfast doing my devotions going to work emails meetings phone calls I remember I then reflect I ask God, I pray those verses, Psalm 139, 22 and 23. Search me, test me. Is there anything offensive in me, God? And then I respond. That's the end of that verse. And then lead me, God. How can I respond to the reflections? Because you will have things flag up in reflection. And I've talked about this in previous weeks and months. You'll get an intention to change. But until that intention turns into action, it's meaningless. So what can you do that actually responds to the reflection? And lastly, reset. Wipe the slate clean at the end of the day. It's been a good day, fantastic. If it's been a bad day, remember, your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103, verse 12. Remember Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those in Jesus. Remember Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. God's mercies are new every morning. And I want to add to that, God's mercies are new every moment. Don't get stuck up on one thing that went really badly or indeed went really really well reset and I would add a fifth one that to employ the next day is to repeat because the more you do this the more naturally it will become I promise you as you begin the prayer of examine it will feel really clunky and will feel really awkward if you've not done it before but I promise you this is your homework this week if you can do it for a number of days in a row it will get easier it will get more natural and I promise you you will begin to see I believe God's presence working in and through your life amen amen 
we're going to go into a time of worship now. And uh, as I was reflecting on how to finish this message and thinking about all the songs uh, we, we could sing, there was one song that came to mind and it actually came up on my, my Facebook profile uh, a month or so ago now. And it was sung beautifully by one of uh, mine and Becky's really good friends, uh, a girl called Amy Lee. She's a great friend of Becky and I. We've known her for a good few years now. She lives up in Glasgow and attends Glasgow Ealing. And as Amy sung this song, Simply Tiled Quiet, I really just felt, just watching it on my phone, my headphones, the presence of God. And it was in that moment, listening to this song, Quiet, sung by Amy that I really got this sense of re-employing the prayer of examining my life it's something I've done in the past but I really felt this sense of of God impressing on my life that I need to re-employ this way of praying to to see the presence of God more fruitfully in my life so I'm going to invite Amy now from Glasgow Elim all the way up north to beauty of technology Amy's going to come and sing to us now with her brother playing on keys the song Quiet <laughs> 